Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to The Fifth Down. I'm your host, Jose, with me tonight, Brad and Judy. What's up, guys? It's been a while. Definitely been a while. It's going good. Been a while. Been a while. You know, the last time we talked, I think the postseason was just going to begin, and now we're down to the last four. And we finally get the game that we've been wanting to watch our whole lives. Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. You know, before, the only way it was possible was in the Super Bowl. But now that, uh, you know, Tom Brady hijacked the NFC for a couple of years, um, they get to face off in the NFC Championship game. What What do you guys think? Um, um, I mean, I know Brady is 43 and, and Rodgers is 37, but they're still very much playing as if they were in their primes. Is is this a dream match? I think it is. I mean, you have uh, LeBron versus Jordan. Um, this is the matchup that uh, that I've been wanting to see in, in a playoff game, and uh, or even in a Super Bowl, and and we finally get it in the NFC Championship game. Uh, just like what you were saying, Jose. Both of these guys are playing at. Uh, MVP levels, and um, I think it it, uh, it creates a, a game that uh, um, I think is is going to be the winner of of the Super Bowl. Whoever wins on the NFC is going to win the Super Bowl. Um, but I'm de- definitely excited to watch this game, and uh, um, I'm I'm no disrespect, Jose, but I'm, I'm I want Aaron Rodgers to win. Uh, you know, he's a guy that uh, the last couple of years he's been. Um, He's been down in terms of his status, in terms of what Aaron Rodgers um, is about, in terms of you know being a top a top three quarterback. But uh, this year, it's a completely different story. Uh, his mental, his headspace is a lot better. Um, he's he's more open. He's more honest, uh, and um, I th- I think it's helping uh, his performance on the field. And uh, um, I think this is his year. Yeah, I mean. Taking a look at this game, when you, when we just take a look at the seasons both teams have had, um, uh, despite you know the two game difference, both very similar. Um, although you know Green Bay has been more consistent throughout throughout the year, and they definitely are the number one seed. But Tampa Bay has had a very good season a- as well, and I mean the 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 headline is going to be Brady and Rodgers, two of the goats. We're looking at, you know, Brady, 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. To Aaron Rodgers, um, while it seems like it's godlike, it's a normal year for Aaron Rodgers. 48 TDs, five interceptions, and that's just what he does. He doesn't turn the ball over. Um, Both have great passing offenses. Um, I mean, Brady has probably the greatest trio in the league, and Aaron Rodgers has the greatest wide receiver in the league, and Devontae Adams – you know, both of the running games can be improved, and I think both of their defenses have their holes. And coaching-wise, um, I mean, it's Bruce Arians versus uh, LaFleur. I mean, there's not a whole lot of difference there. Arians, Arians has been around longer, but LaFleur has, you know, he's sort of the hot commodity on the block. Um, it, it's really push-push. It's a very close game. And you, you're picking between, you know, the quarterbacks at this point, who, which quarterback do you think has the edge? Um, on paper, you'd have to go Aaron Rodgers because he is younger, he's more efficient, but don't doubt Tom Brady and what he can do. I mean, wh- how many ch- how many conference championship games is this? I mean, for, I, I think... For Brady, this... I, well, let's see. It's what are we at, like 14 or 15? Yeah, because he's been in the league. He's been in the league twenty years. He missed the playoffs one time, and he was injured. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. To to me, I can't bet against that. As good as Rodgers has been, I just have to take a look at the Tom Brady record versus Aaron Rodgers record in postseason, and I'm just gonna go Brady. The man just wins. He wins against elite competition. Ray Lewis, Peyton Manning, you name it. I, it's hard for me to bet against Tom Brady. I'd pick that. I'd pick the Buccaneers to win it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm going to go Brady in a close one. Um, if if Rodgers pulls it out, I'm not going to be heartbroken. I've always had a lot of respect for that franchise, and especially for Aaron Rodgers. He's, you know, my favorite quarterback. So, I mean, 
I I wouldn't be shocked if if you know Green Bay prevails, especially because they're at home. They they're they're the hottest team in the NFL right now. Um, they don't make mistakes on either side of the field. They get enough stops, and you can't stop them on offense. So the only you know the the way that Brady and the Bucks can win is if Brady is zeroed in like he was in the second half against. Um, New Orleans and he moves the ball like we know he can but if they if they start how they did against New Orleans this game could be over by halftime Um, I don't think Green Bay is gonna come out to nowhere near as slow a start as New Orleans did so Tampa Bay is gonna have to keep up with them it's gonna be a shootout but you know I mean the Bucks signed Brady for two years for a reason. You know, they put the franchise in his hands. It's a franchise that hasn't won in a long time. And they knew that they had the pieces and they just needed someone to to drive the car. And that's what he does. Um, he's proven that at 43, he's still every bit worthy of that $30 million he's getting paid. Um, and, yeah, I'm just excited. You know, I I really hope that, my Buccaneers can prevail, but hey, I'm just hoping for a good football game. Yeah, and and I and I think we also didn't forget. Well, we didn't mention weather, whether or not we think it's going to be a factor. 32 degrees snow. It's going to be you know in Lambeau. It's going to be a classic setting. Yeah, and we saw what you know Devontae and uh, Aaron Rodgers did in the snow against Tennessee a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. They're used to playing in those conditions. I mean, Brady is used to it, but, you know, a lot of those other guys in Tampa have grown up playing in South Florida, so you don't necessarily have to deal with 32-degree snow games very often in South Florida. Um, So it's got to be tough. I think they'll be prepared. I think they'll be prepared. I I think uh, um, that's going to be a big advantage for Green Bay, Um, especially, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Practicing in that weather, being used to that weather, um, I th- to me, uh, the biggest thing that stands out to me is uh, uh, Tampa's uh, secondary. Um, they're giving uh, 248 yards through the air. So I think uh, if, if Green Bay is going to win this game, they're going to win in the air. And um, they have the, the best quarterback to do it. So um, it, it, it's definitely going to be a good game. I'm excited to watch it. And I, I wouldn't be... Um, I wouldn't be sad if Tampa wins uh, as well. I mean, I'm a big Brady fan too, uh, but I, I think Rodgers is just, it, it's just his year and um, it, it's just going to add to his legacy. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to be the mo- must watch game of the weekend, but you know, and it's not that the, the AFC championship game is going to be any less, but, there's more questions than answers right now when it comes to that game. Um, Last time we saw Patrick Mahomes, he was being helped off the field. Now they can downplay it all they want, but he had a concussion. I mean, they can try and call it whatever they want. He had a concussion. He was in, he's in concussion protocol. And uh, I don't think they're going to make a Mahomes rule just to help him play this weekend, you know, because his health comes first. So with that being said, um, does this game hinge on, Patrick Mahomes being available to you guys? I think it does. Um, but I, I, I also think he will be available. There is no way that the guy that you just paid half a billion dollars to is, is not going to be in this game. He is the future of the NFL. We all know this. Um, when Brady and Rodgers are gone, the face of the NFL is Patrick Mahomes, if it already isn't. Um, and very much like a Brady had, you know, the likes of a Peyton Manning to go up against. Um, it's going to be Josh Allen for quite some time. And this is going to be the start of, this is going to be the start of a rivalry that, that I think we can all look forward to. And you still get to chuck in the names of, uh, of you know, Lamar Jackson into the mix and a Deshaun Watson, if he stays in the AFC, but yeah, it has all the makings of, a of the, of a great start to a rivalry. Um, yeah, I, I am really looking forward to this. We're sort of spoiled this uh, championship round because we really got four of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. Um, I can say that without a doubt, NFC and AFC, that if I had to pick four to represent the league, those are the four I would go with. Um, you couldn't, I couldn't 
put anyone else in their place. Um, and this one, I like the Chiefs just because of what they're able to do, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Bills were, were able to squeak one out because Josh Allen and the Bills just seem to be magic. Um, but yeah, another close one. I think it's a toss-up. I'd go Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, if if Mahomes doesn't play, you know, I think it's clearly going to be Buffalo. Um, but if Mahomes does play, um, it's going to be really close. And um, in the beginning of the season, I, 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 my, my pick out of the AFC was the Buffalo Bills. And I'm going to stick with it. I think Josh Allen is uh, the most improved player in the league. I think he is ascending to the that level that you were talking about, Brad, that, that top that top four, top five quarterback in the league. Um, and he has probably the second best receiver to Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs on his side. And um, their chemistry is amazing. And I, I think with KC, I, they haven't been impressive to me this whole season. I think they've been lax and they've been waiting for the playoffs. And uh, um, I, think, uh, I think in this round, uh, I, think, uh, I think Buffalo is going to take it. Yeah, you know, I think with or without Mahomes, I think Buffalo's going to pull it out, you know. They just, they're they're in sync, man. The way Stephon Diggs and, you know, Josh Allen look at each other, you know, that's that that's marriage goals right there, you know. Those two, they're they're locked in, they're one, and they they know what the goal is. Um they they're so, uh, just like Green Bay. They're solid enough on defense, they make enough stops. And you hardly ever stop them on offense. I mean, Baltimore did a solid job of, like, um, kind of containing Josh Allen. But it didn't last for the whole game. He made enough plays, and they pulled the game out. I think the same thing will happen against Kansas City, who, even though they're – I mean, they were the best team um, record-wise, I don't feel like they played that way. Um, I like last year's team more. I feel like this year they almost seem like they don't have that fire, like they're content with or without another championship kind of thing. Um, or you can just call it a championship hangover. You know, they, they just they don't seem to have that same fire that they did last year. And I think Buffalo has every bit of that fire because it's been it, it, it was a long time since they'd even won a playoff game. And now, you know, that they've tasted victory, that it's going to be hard to get them out. So I definitely feel like Buffalo is going to pull it out. They'll win by a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, it, Buffalo is absolutely the hottest team coming into this playoffs. And, you know, Kansas City, they were off to a hot start, and they've really cooled down. They, they haven't been that great, uh, as you guys alluded to. And, I mean – just taking a look at both these teams and what they give up defensively, I'm expecting some records to be broken, you know, offensively, because um, something's got to give. I mean, Buffalo, they give up 422 yards, you know, and, and Kansas City, they give up like 316. Like, we are going to see yards and points of plenty, I am hoping, uh, you know, and I'm just hoping for. I want to see Mahomes to to you know Kelsey to 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 Tyreek. I want to see Allen to Diggs into into Brown. It should it has all the makings of you know of the future of the NFL and and what we get to see. And you know I'm hoping for points of plenty. Yeah, should be a good one. Um, and I know Brady touched a little bit earlier on um, Deshaun Watson very briefly. But, you know, there, there have been rumors circulating that he is not happy in Houston. Um, he's not happy with the way they, they, they conducted their GM search. And he pretty much wants out. They, um, what do you think Houston can get back for him um, with the knowledge that he wants out and there's pretty much no convincing him of coming back? Do you think they lose some leverage because of that? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's tough, especially, I, so I don't know if he really wants out or, or if it's just a, you know, a move to try and get some help for him. Um, but yeah, it really takes chips off the table for Houston in terms of what they're able to get. Um, especially with how many free agents are available, especially with the QBs coming out in this draft. It's just 
it's going to be hard. And 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 what you and when you see what they gave up, what they gave up for last year in DeAndre Hopkins, and he could have had that caliber wide receiver. I can see why Deshaun Watson wants out, and I think the QB, the head coach search was you know, was possibly the last straw on the camel's back. You know, it just broke it. Yeah. I think with uh, Watson, he he understands that he is, you know, he's in the prime of his career. Uh, the organization's not doing anything to to help uh, because they traded all the way their assets. Um, they they have no draft capital, so in his head, you know, he's not getting the coach uh, that he wants. He he wants to go to a place where um, he can win or or he can build something, you know, towards. Uh, that Super Bowl, and and I, I think if you're a team that doesn't have Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, J- uh, Josh Allen, if you're a team that doesn't have those quarterbacks, I think you should be interested in trading for him because this guy is a franchise quarterback. He's only 25 years old. You know, he's he had his best season, and I I think with him, um, if he goes to the right place, you know, let's say um, you know San Francisco, let's say a Washington a place where there's already pieces in place, I think uh, I think that gives those organizations a chance to contend right away. So with Deshaun Watson, I mean, it, it, if he's really smart, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to choose a team because he has a no trade clause. So he can actually choose where he wants to go. So if, 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 if he's smart, he would choose a team that has um, uh, a, 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 either a young team or, a team where they're already uh, one piece or two pieces away from uh, contending. So it's, it, it's going to be interesting. Um, but I think, I think by the end of this or by the end of the, uh, or close to the draft, I think, uh, I think he'll be traded. So if you were Jacksonville, would you want to trade the number one pick for him? No, I wouldn't because they, um, Trevor Lawrence is on a different level. Yeah, and, and I don't think Deshaun Watson would want to go through another rebuilding stage. I mean, in terms of where he is at his in his career, he's behind everyone in his at his level age wise. You take a look at what the Cleveland Browns were willing to do to get Baker Mayfield and to get into the playoffs. Listen, they traded for OBJ. They they made the correct coaching calls, firing you know two head coaches before they got to the right call. They were willing to make those changes. You take a look at what Buffalo was willing to do for Josh Allen to bring him along in his development, getting the likes of, of, of a Diggs when Minnesota didn't want him. You take a look at, um, at what, what Baltimore was willing to do with Lamar Jackson, getting in an offensive coordinator to help him along the way. Um, even Arizona, Kyler Murray, you know, Getting DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins and getting a coach, you know, that, that, that was on his level. And Deshaun Watson hasn't been afforded that luxury. And he wants, you know, what other quarterbacks are getting in terms of help. Nope, that definitely makes sense. Um, yeah. I, the only reason why I posed the question for Jacksonville is because, you know, they don't have a coach that's there for rebuild. Urban Meyer took the job because he feels like he can turn them into a contender within the next couple of years. So I, I almost wonder if, you know, if he would be interested in the possibility of bringing in a guy like Watson that he wouldn't have to worry about um, developing, even though, you know, Lawrence is going to be able to start day one. And much like Peyton Manning, I think he'll be putting up crazy numbers from season number one that's just the kind of beast that he is. Um, but yeah, I think pretty much any team that does not have one of those like top five, top eight elite quarterbacks, they should all be calling the, the, the Houston Texans to see what it would take. You know, you look at, look at the, Raiders. the Raiders. I mean, could you guys imagine that Raiders team with Deshaun Watson instead of Derek Carr? Yeah. I mean, you have to do your due diligence. We all remember when Peyton Manning was a free agent and all the teams interested. I mean, San Francisco and Jim Harbaugh were extremely interested despite what they, they had. It doesn't matter who you have. When you have that caliber of talent, you make the call and see what it's going to take 
maybe you have the right pieces and you get yourself a Super Bowl with one move. Even Tampa Bay, you know, should call and see what it would take. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Brady, as great as he is, he's 43. He's not going to be able to keep playing at this level forever. I mean, at some point, he is supposed to fall off that cliff, which Max Kellerman said would be like four years ago. Yeah. I mean, I think you all, all teams have to call just to do the due diligence. You know, you can't disrespect the talent. Now, Jose, if, if Tampa gets him, would he be sitting behind Brady? Um, I think Brady would be thanked <laughs> for his year, <laughs> and he would move on to another one-year stop. Yeah, I can see that. But yeah, if, if I'm Washington, you guys know me, I'm a big Washington fan. I would trade the whole farm for him. The only person I wouldn't give up is okay. Chase Young. Chase Young is the only person I wouldn't give up. But I would give up um, Gibson. I would give up if they want a guy. I would give them up. I would, but. Chase Young is the only guy I wouldn't give up. Yeah, well, I agree. I mean, he, he is the type of guy that you trade the farm for. Now, Mike Dicka did it back in the day for Ricky Williams. That was not the guy to trade your whole draft for, but Deshaun Watson, he is. He's, yeah, this, he's almost, this almost reminds me of when Drew Brees was a free agent, you know. Um, Miami could have had him, and look how it turned New Orleans around. He could have and, the same effect for for another team. And the great thing about it is, you don't need to negotiate his next contract. It's already negotiated. He's already he's yeah. already going to pay all that money. So we'll see what happens. Should be interesting. You, worry, you know, you don't have to worry about all that logistical stuff. You know, like all figured out. You just got to trade for him. And he's and the key thing he's proven. He he's done it. He's 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 won in college. You know, he's he's winning in the pros. He puts up the stats. It's not like you're gambling and. And you're like, man, I don't know what I'm getting if I trade for this guy. You know exactly what you're getting. And the thing is, is he's just getting better. So teams yeah, I mean, have to do their due. Uh, I mean, due with his talent alone, you know, with this talent alone, he got a guy like Hunter Renfro to get drafted by the Raiders. That guy would not have been on the map of any NFL team if it wouldn't have been for the type of quarterback that he had at Clemson. And that's why he now, you know, has a job in the NFL. And that's what happens when you have a great quarterback like that. They make average players become much better players. Agree. And, you know, we touched a little bit on coaching too. Houston still does not have a head coach. Um, you know, there's still certain, certain um, spots left. Um, we saw that the Lions just hired Dan Campbell. Um we saw that the the Eagles went with the offensive coordinator as well from Indianapolis, correct? Sirianni. Um, why is everybody passing up on um, the enemy? Apparently he doesn't interview well, which I have no clue what interviewing we, well has to do, do with we, play calling. Do we hire a head coach to interview well or to make the right calls on the field? Yeah, I would totally agree. I mean, Josh McDaniels interviews really well, but he doesn't want to leave uh, Bill Belichick's side because he, he knows what happened the last time he left his side. He failed in Denver. So, I mean, you know, and that dude interviews well. Every year he gets, like, multiple job offers. But a guy like Eric Bietemi who just keeps, you know, pretty much driving the number one offense in the NFL year in and year out, and he can't, he can't get a second interview. I'm, I'm really surprised that the Chargers didn't hire him because he checks all the boxes. Um, offensive genius check, you know, former Chargers player check. And um, they went with a defensive guy. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what they're doing because they have, you know, a franchise quarterback. And I feel like they would benefit for, you know, with having an offensive coach so it beats me because i'm not you know i'm not an expert but yeah i don't i don't understand this whole he's not interviewing well because his his uh his coaching shows on the field and you know with uh, those kansas city offenses exactly like brad answer this for me brandon staley's a defensive coordinator you know the the chargers they just drafted this young guy out of oregon you know um herbert you know he's he's got potential to be elite you would think 
that they would hire an offensive-minded coach to kind of help bring them to the next level. What, what, what would go into their thinking of hiring a defensive coordinator when their defense sucks and the best thing going for them is a quarterback? Like, I don't understand that thinking process, Brad. Can you, can you maybe explain how this process goes? Where these I can teams- only explain it in the fact that, you know, that they should have had a good defense this year, but they got, all got injured before the start of it. And maybe they're still banking on the fact that they do have at least that level caliber defense and they can return to that sort of glory. But, I mean, when, when we're talking about a guy like Justin Herbert and we've seen what he can do, arguably the greatest rookie season for a quarterback. Um, you sort of want to get pieces around him and coaches around him that, you know, are going to put him in the best position to win and put your organization in the best position to get a Super Bowl. Um, I don't understand it. Like Juni said, I'm not an expert. You know, this is what they do for a living. I know I would have went with, you know, an Eric Bieniemy, a, a quarterback guru, to further develop his talent and and, and raise it, um, but you know, it, it's 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 head scratching. I don't understand it. Um, I wouldn't have made it, but hey, their organization, um, you know, they've got their issues to work through. We'll see if it works out for them in the end. Yeah, it's just it's mind boggling. You know, you you still have, you know, you still have Brady out there, the offensive coordinator from the Panthers. You, you have the enemy, you know, you, you have offensive options out there and they choose a fucking defensive coordinator. Yeah. I mean, mean, just, just because you're around Sean McVay does not mean you're going to all of a sudden be as good as fucking Sean McVay. Yeah. I mean, I also want to see the staff that he brings on. Yes. He is a defensive coordinator, but if he brings on a, a good offensive coordinator, a good QB coach, Maybe they have something, um, you know, I just want to see how some of these staffs pan out and see, see what they're able to make do with it. But yeah, knee jerk reaction. I'm not a fan of the hire. Hey, if he needs an offensive coordinator, I hear Adam Gase is still available. Yeah. Uh, he does wonders. He, he did run the number one offense that year that he had uh, Pey- uh, Peyton Manning. Yeah, this is true. That's he's still living on that. And now let's talk about guys that are no longer going to be around. Um, you know, Philip Rivers officially called it quits. Um, he's hanging up the boots, you know, had a great 17-year career. Um, no regrets. You know, made the Chargers a winning franchise for many years and came to Indianapolis and finished on a high note. Um, what do you guys think his legacy is? Is it Hall of Fame? This is this is a tough one for me because he he's he's the definition of consistent, right? He's eight-time Pro Bowler. Um, his stats are, are are decent. You know, he he's he's elite. But to me, he's not first ballot. Um, and I think the biggest thing to me was uh, uh, the winning. And you know, he didn't do enough winning. And um, in his era, he was going against Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and he really never, you know, really beat those guys. And, and, and to me, being in the Hall of Fame, like, you have to, to, to be able to beat the competition. And, and I feel like as the, you know, as the San Diego quarterback, as, as the Charger quarterback, he never beat the elite. So would I put on first ballot? No, maybe second ballot, but not not first ballot for me. Yeah, um, stats-wise, he is a Hall of Famer, first ballot. Um, you know, I can see the argument for him, um, but I can also see the arguments against him not being a first ballot Hall of Famer. All I can say is that the dude won. He has the numbers to back it up. But when you compare him against QBs of his generation – the one thing he doesn't have is are those Super Bowl rings. Um, Eli has two, right? Roethlisberger is ahead of him. We also compare him to to Manning, right? Uh, to Peyton in the same division. Um, we we compare him to 
to, you know, Brady. Um, and he didn't, Judy's right. He never won against those guys. And just to go back to the last question, I think it was all because of coaching. San Diego or now the LA Chargers, they were behind in the coaching department. You take a look at going up against the likes of a Tony Dungy, a Bill Belichick. Um, they just had better coaches and that's what separated um, it for them. If, if he had a better coach, who knows, maybe we'd be talking about him being a first ballot. Um, but yeah, right now, Hall of Famer, yes. First ballot, that's debatable. But I think based off of based off of who's getting uh, quarterbacks that have gotten in first ballot, I think he will likely be a first ballot uh, Hall of Famer, although I think it's going to be pretty close. Yeah, I think on the numbers alone, he's a first ballot. He does lack that big playoff victory. Um, he, he had a few decent ones, like against Baltimore a couple years back. Um, but then, you know, he could never win that second game in the playoffs. You know, like it always seemed like he'd always run into Brady or he'd run into uh, Manning, you know, like. So he he's not quite at their level, but he's a 1B guy. He's He was he was always like he was never really the reason why the Chargers lost. I think when you guys bring up the coaching, that's a very good point. You know, whether it was Anthony Lynn, whether – it was um, Mike McCoy, you know, guys like that. They The Chargers have a history of just hiring whatever guys, and they just hired another one. You know, like, they're, they're, not, they're not guys that impose that, like, respect factor at the, at the coaching position. And I honestly think that Phillip Rivers did wonders with what he had around him. You know, when you take away – LaDainian Tomlinson and Antonio Gates, you know, and Keenan Allen the last few years. Um, what else did he did he really have offensively? You know, he he made a lot of average guys pretty good. And, you know, every pretty much every offensive position, he he made average guys look better than they were. And especially after LT left, um, they they had a they had some solid running backs, but no one special. But he just he made he made special plays. He he won a lot of games for them that they shouldn't have won. And I definitely think that he left a permanent mark on on San Diego, you know, especially now that they won't be in San Diego anymore. And they won't even have, you know, Qualcomm Stadiums getting torn down as we speak. Um didn't even realize that it was getting demolished. Did the did you guys know that, that was happening? Yeah, they're doing yep. it uh they're doing it slow. They can't implode it uh, for, you know, environmental and logistical reasons. So they're doing it, you know, sections at a time. I just, I'm, when you have, you know, arguably, arguably probably one of the best running backs with LT and then, you know, the top one or two tight ends with Antonio Gates, like he, to me, he didn't, he didn't do enough with, he had all the talent around him and he, he didn't do enough with it. And to me that, that speaks volumes to me because when you have guys like that and, and then, you know, you got Sean Merriman on the other side, you got, you got playmakers, you know, uh, on defense and offense, and then you, you can't get over that hump, you know, you know, what's the playoff victory? What's, the, what's the moment that, that you think of Phillip Rivers? The only, the only moment that I think of Phillip Rivers is when he's talking. He's a, he's a trash talker, but that's it. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think of anything else about Phillip Rivers other than, you know, he, he talks a lot of shit. So for me, you know, he's not a first ballot, maybe a second, but not a first ballot. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, another good point is we will have to see as well who's on that ballot, you know? Yeah. I, I think, I think 10, 15, 20 years from now, this is going to be one of those teams where we wonder why they never won it. I mean, there's there's those teams in every sport you know you take a look at them man they were such a great team for so long how come they never won it um we're gonna add you know the san diego chargers to that list yeah like the the cincinnati Bengals of the mid-2000s with chad johnson and carson palmer and yeah i mean you know rudy johnson all those guys you know tj who's who's your mama yeah mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the, there's always going to be those teams that 
win regular season games, but then you just wonder where those playoff victories are. And yeah, they they are the Chargers. Unfortunately, are known as a meme for like you know, for shitting the bed when it matters. So, but yeah, but hats know, off, great career to him. Yeah, he he put up some great numbers, and you know, numbers do carry a lot of weight. So I think on that alone, I think that that might get him in first ballot. If not, he will definitely be in on the second try. And now moving on to another guy that might be hanging it up. Now, we, with him, we can't declare it as official because he hasn't said it yet. But Drew Brees, you know, all but announced his retirement before the season began. So we assume he's played his last down. With him, there obviously is going to be an argument about whether he's a first ballot Hall of Famer or not. But do you guys feel like he left the city of New Orleans owing them a little bit more? No. Um I mean, he gave them their first Super Bowl. He gave that, he gave that organization a winner, a winning mentality and a, an identity. I mean, that's going to carry on for for the next team and for the future. They they can look back at that and say, "Hey, this is what we're working with. This is a standard that we sh- we have to be held to." Um, you know, he could have given them more in terms of Super Bowl wins, um, but you know what? He got he got them one, and there's a there's a legacy that he left behind as one of the greats. Yeah, I definitely agree with Brad. He he doesn't owe New Orleans anything because he he gave them that Super Bowl. He gave them something to believe in after Hurricane Katrina, which was uh, devastating. And you know his his legacy and his you know he's he's definitely a, you know top five quarterback of all time and. You know, his stats, you know, he got a Super Bowl, 80,000 passing yards, 571 touchdowns. I mean, the dude is elite, and um, he's definitely going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and um, New Orleans has to thank him for everything he's done. Yeah, I mean, he definitely did more than enough, and especially when you look at his physical attributes. I mean, he's six foot, like, on a good day, like – you know, let's be real. He's more close. Uh, I, I met him. He is not six foot. He's not six foot. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and he never had Aaron Rodgers arm strength. You know, like he couldn't launch it 70 yards uh, sitting on his ass like Patrick Mahomes can. You know, it, like he had all these things going against him. I mean, but he always figured out a way to excel. You know, he was told that he would not not be able to play anymore once he left San Diego with that injury. Uh, Miami signed him and then rescinded it because he couldn't pass the physical. And New Orleans took a chance on him. Well, they took a chance on each other, I'd like to say. And he built a he built a foundation there. I mean, like you guys mentioned, Katrina. Like he was the right guy to come in and help rebuild that city. And he, he, he got them a, a championship ring. So I definitely think it's going to be really hard to replace. Not the quarterback, because, you know, you, you, you get a good free agent signing or you draft a good young quarterback. That in a couple of years, you might have his replacement already. But it's going to be hard to replace what Drew Brees meant to that, that organization. Um, but he, this past offseason, he did make some um, – slightly controversial remarks regarding the the national anthem and him being against the protest do you guys feel like he hurt his image somewhat and it made people look at him different this season no i I, because he also backtracked and said you know what i might be wrong and i'm willing to listen especially when a lot of his peers like aaron Rodgers and jj watt told him hey you know you're wrong you you need to you need to view it from from a different point of view um, I, I think in that aspect, he's grown. It may have tarnished it, but you can't tarnish a Super Bowl ring and what he did for the city of New Orleans. And, and to me, the crazy stat is, take a look at this dude's per, percent, completion percentage. Uh, I mean, he has years where he's at 74%, 74% completed. Like, that is crazy we, where we have quarterbacks barely getting to the 60s. He's done this regularly. I mean, 70, 74% in 2019, 74% in 2018. 
72 percent in 2017 uh, you're right I'll, I'll never remember him for the deep strike or for how or you know his his arm strength or what type of athlete he was but i will remember how accurate this dude was over a season over his career it is amazing yeah, and I, you know and let's think of the guys that he's made a lot of money for marcus colston you know michael thomas now pierre garçon uh, pierre garçon you know garçon, like these yeah. are all guys that he made famous and he made a lot of money for alvin kamara like you know, Deuce Reggie McAllister. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, he, like he, he made up for not having that arm strength by just being the most – next to Aaron Rodgers might go down as, like, the second most accurate quarterback yeah. in, in NFL history, you know. But, yeah, I mean, he yeah. had a long, wonderful career, and he deserves to – to you know, take his walk now into the sunset. Yeah, yeah, he, he has nothing to prove. He's he's been a great leader, um, a great example for the NFL. Other than you know the the comments he made uh, in the off season, uh, but other than that, he's been a great example, and he's gonna, uh, you know, he has nothing to prove, and he's he's gonna leave on top. Definitely. And now, as we shift focus to you know um, the NBA, which it's, you know, still in its beginning phases of the season. They're in their um, second month now. Um, we we had a big trade, you know. We James Harden finally, you know, bitched his way out of Houston. Um, he is in Brooklyn now, you know, with the other bitch, you know, the, the other guy that's always bitching, Kyrie Irving. So, I mean, I'm sure, you know, if, if Steve Nash, Nash doesn't drink, he's definitely going to now. But, you know, the good thing is that they do have Durant there. Do you guys feel that this trio of Kyrie Irving, uh, James Harden, and and Kevin Durant can cause problems out of the East and for the Lakers? Um, I, I think in, in the perspective of just looking at the talent alone, I think they can cause problems, especially in the East, because – um, Kevin Durant's a former MVP. James Harden is a former MVP. Kyrie is a you know a, a top five player in the league, and I think on that end, just thinking about their talent alone, they can cause problems. But can they beat the Lakers? Can they win a championship? That's the real question because Kyrie went to Brooklyn because he wanted to be um, he wanted to be the man, and then obviously. You know, Kevin Durant coming, now he's, you know, he's, he's Robin again. And now you have James Harden coming in, and now I don't, I don't think Kyrie's going to lay down and he's going to be like, look, man, like, I want to win a championship and I'll be third fiddle. Like, Kyrie already has a championship. Kyrie wants to be, Kyrie wants to be the man. And I think this is going to be a hard transition for him to be that man uh, because um, of, of, the type of player he is, you know, let's face it, he's very selfish. You know, he's a guy that is, is a me guy. He thinks about himself. Um, look at, you know, what happened recently where, you know, he, he didn't want to play because he didn't feel like playing. I mean, you know, you have your he teammates. Took, you got, he, took, he took seven games off, yeah. which begs the question. Like, I know you guys mentioned that he's very selfish. Does Kyrie even want to play? Like, because, you know, it, it surely seems like they're begging him to do his job, you know, and, and then he gets offended when he gets called a basketball player because he thinks he's an artist and, and the world is flat. And, you know, and he thinks his, he's this, like, just this all-knowing, just like, you know, genie or something. Like, I don't know what the hell is wrong with him. Like, he needs to understand he is a fucking basketball player, man. He is not an artist, you know. He, he he can be an he can be an activist. I mean, that's fine. There's plenty of players that help out, and you know, it came out that he bought a house for George Floyd's family. That's wonderful, but he should allow those things to be like revered for him. Instead, he's just heavily disliked because of how annoying he is. He just bitches about stupid things. He takes weeks off because he doesn't feel like playing. Um, you know, like he. He, he, he was against the, the bubble because 
never gave a good reason. He just said that, oh, no, we should be doing other thing or like we should be focusing on social reform, but then came up with no fucking ideas on social reform. Didn't come up with anything. He just, you know, he just wanted to be a problem. Like he wasn't even going to be playing in the fucking bubble. He was injured, but he wanted to be a problem for everybody else that did want to do it. This dude is always a problem. And that's what makes you, makes me wonder, does he even want to play basketball anymore? What do you guys think? To answer your question, um, in a roundabout way, just to answer your question, um, there are players that I never question in terms of their love for the game. Kobe Bryant, when he, when he has the Achilles and he still hits those two free throws, all those injuries he battled through, Michael Jordan, right? The flu game. There are LeBron James, right? There are players where you've never questioned their love for the game of basketball. They will die for it. Kyrie has all the talent in the world, but I don't think he loves the game of basketball like these guys. It's not like Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson loved the game of basketball. He didn't like practice, right? He wanted the competitive, uh, the real life game. Kyrie doesn't even want that. Um, I question his love for the game. Despite him having all the talent in the world to be one of the, the greats, the love isn't there. And that's why he's not going to succeed. Because at the end of the day, if he's not willing to put into work, there's guys like Colin Sexton or, or, or Ubre who are going to put into work and that are just going to outshine him. And I think that's going to catch up with him. It's only a matter of time. Um, and yeah, I, we're just going to qu- further question his legacy because now we all know that it's going to be Katie and Durant. And if they do win one, how much credit are we going to give Kyrie? Can we really call it a championship for him? I mean, it, it, it really tarnishes what's left of his legacy. And it really makes me question, you know, how much he wants to play this game. I think, I think the biggest thing with Kyrie is he, he doesn't take responsibility for his actions or, or the things he does. And he doesn't understand the implications he puts when he, when you're on, when you're on this big of a stage and you're, 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 you're getting paid millions to play basketball and you're saying you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to play today or you don't want to show up today. Like we all have those days where we don't want to show up to work. But we do because yeah, of we have to, right? We do because we have to it's make a job. It's our job. And with Kyrie, you know, just like what Brad was saying, he I don't I don't feel that passion from him. He's not he's not obsessed with the game. He's not he's not LeBron where, you know, he you know, he wants to, you know, he, all, all all LeBron thinks about is championships. You know, all, all LeBron thinks about is how can I how can I pass Jordan? How can you know, what can I do to pass Jordan? How can I be better? With Kyrie, it's, it's I, you know, I want to be the man, but yet I'm not passionate about what I do, which, which like, makes sense. It's, it's, it's like, you know, you, 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 want, you want the fame, you want the glory, but yet you don't want to, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to play basketball. And you can't do that. Like, you can't do that and you know, I don't think they're going to win. And it sucks for uh, Durant because Durant is one of those guys who he's very passionate about basketball. Like the, the, the guy's a winner. And, and I, I think the same thing with Harden, even though Harden is selfish in the sense that, you know, he, he wanted his, um, he wanted out from Houston and he forced his hand. I think Harden is very passionate about basketball, but the, the thing that sucks for them is that Kyrie is, is, is going to mess it up for them. And, um, I don't think they're going to win. Yeah, I think they're going to fall short. And in large part, it is – I don't even think Harden is going to be the issue here. I think, you know, Harden knows that he he got traded there to be of help, but he, he can't overstep um, Kevin Durant's shoes. So he he understands his place. The problem is going to be Kyrie Irving. When it comes down to – you know, game six, crucial game against Boston, against, you know, whoever. Is, is, is Kyrie going to understand that Durant has to take that last shot? Is he going to understand that Durant is the fucking man? Because he is seven feet tall with the seven six wingspan, and he is unstoppable. And he, I mean, wherever he is, just like LeBron, he should be the man. Is Kyrie going to understand that? 
Seeking to understand that James Harden is a, is a much better finisher around the rim than him. So they will probably drop more plays for Harden in crucial situations. And the answer to most of those is no. Because like you guys said, he, he already has a ring. He doesn't give a fuck about winning the second one. Like, he, you know, he, he said that he, he wanted to be with, um, with Durant because they shared the same mindset. No, they don't. Yeah. Durant doesn't take seven games off just because he just doesn't feel like playing because it's it's December and it's like the third week in the in the season. Durant plays every game just like Kobe did, just like LeBron tries to do, you know. And even Kawhi and his weird stuff that he does, you know, he is very passionate. The forty-five to fifty-five games that he does play. Yeah, it, and. It, and the thing that I, I I'm also going to take note of it is is this dude even a an all star in the Eastern Conference? I don't even think he's an all star with how great with how much better the guard position has gotten out east. Yeah, you think of guys like Trey Young, you know, um, Westbrook, Westbrook out Westbrook, there. Yeah, Beal. Um, the way the even the way Lamelo Ball is playing, you know, he's going to get some votes from the fans. Yeah, I mean. He, he he has to take a hard look and realize that he is not the top-tier point guard that we all once regarded him to be. He has fallen off a cliff. Yeah. And and he, he built that cliff himself. Yeah. And he tore it down himself, too. And he has no one to blame but himself. When Allen Iverson played himself out of, fa- of favor in, in Philadelphia, it wasn't because of a lack of passion. It was just that, you know, his extracurriculars just became a little too much for that city. And they just couldn't deal with that anymore. You know, like he has said that he didn't want to practice. He, you know, like just not, not giving it. um, But there was never a question of whether when he did play, was he given a hundred percent? That was always an absolute yes. The problem was everything off the court with Kyrie Irving. He has problems off the court. He has problems on the court. He has problems on the practice court. Like, everywhere that dude goes, there are problems. And half the time, you don't even understand, don't even know why. Steve Nash didn't even know why he took seven games off. He didn't even inform his head coach that he was not going to be there for the game. He just, you know, he pretty much had to find out through other people. Like, that's just a complete lack of respect yeah. for the game, for your teammates. You don't even have to talk about authority. This, like... How about, you know, the other guys on your team that do show up? What about those guys on minimum contracts that are showing up and, you know, doing everything they can to help the team win while you're making $35 million a year and acting like, ah, you know what, I'll take a week off. I'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Like, it's just, you don't do that. Like, that's not right. And and something should be done about it, you know? Yeah, it's a problem, and and, and this, you know, the, it, it's been going on his whole career. I mean, I don't, I don't know any anybody, or I haven't heard about anyone who who's complained playing with LeBron, and and the way he talked about LeBron, and oh, now I have a teammate that can that I can rely on to make a winning shot, and this and that. And I'm like, dude, like you won a championship, like, and LeBron helped you win the championship. And, and, and instead of being thankful and, and having gratitude, you're, you're talking shit on him. Like, and, and you're jealous of him because he's in the finals and you're not, you know, speaking of last year. And it, it's unfortunate because he's very talented. He's, you know, he's, he's very good, but his mental is, isn't there. And, and, and I, I just, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see them winning. And, you know, I, I, I see the Lakers, if they do play the Lakers, I see the Lakers destroying them because the Lakers are in sync. You know, they have a lot of guys who, you know, like AD and, and LeBron and a lot of guys that, you know, that have, uh, yeah, they understand the game and, and, and they have a passion. for. You know, a guy like KCP that a lot of us even gave up on a couple of years ago. Look at him now, man. Look at the key part of that team that he is now, you know, Kuzma, how like how he's finally understanding his role. Um, you know, guys like Wesley Matthews and Montres Harrell that they brought in, Marcus Saul, you know, they're not always going to show up on the stat sheet, but 
their contributions and just understanding their role on the team. That is why the Lakers, when they get in these, in these modes where they win three, four years in a row, it's because they bring guys in that understand their roles. It doesn't have to be four top A guys. You don't need, you know, like, sure, would it be nice to have Bradley Beal or, you know, or CJ McCollum? Yeah, but you know what? If that, that's not always possible. And they have a bunch of guys that understand their place on the team. And, you know, Dennis Schroeder, dude is stepping up big time. He, you know, he's stepping into that point guard role. Um, and that, that makes the Lakers pretty hard to beat as long as they are healthy and, and stay in sync throughout the season. And with that being said, is there a team that you guys see that can cause the Lakers some problems? Brooklyn. <laughs> Um, just on paper, yeah, they can absolutely cause some problems. But the thing that you almost have to have happen with Brooklyn is the the reverse of what happened with Butler in Minnesota, right? Where Jimmy called out the players that weren't that didn't want it. I think the rest of the team just has to call out Kyrie and get him off the team. Um, but yes, if if they found a way to get it together. Brooklyn would be scary. Any other team, um, you know, they're a couple pieces away and they'd really have to be in form. Um, you know, I can see I can I, I, I can see some trouble out west, but not enough to win a series, maybe a couple of games. Yeah, to me the only threat I see is Brooklyn. Yeah, if Brooklyn, like what Brad was saying, if they if they find their chemistry and, and, and Kyrie's right they're going to be very deadly. Um, just even with KD and James Harden, they're deadly. But if, if Kyrie gets his mind right and they figure it out, that might be a tough one because you're, you're talking about, you know, you know, potentially three MVPs on one team. So that's tough. Yeah. You know, and we're still very early in the season. So, you know, hopefully um, Kyrie can figure his shit out and, you know, Either join the fight or be sent home, man. I mean, it might come down to a point where they're better off paying his ass to sit at home and, you know, think about whatever it is that kept them out for a week and they can go on being a team. Imagine if they traded Kyrie for Russell Westbrook and they reunited those three again. Oh, my God. That would be insane. Um, someone needs to give Kendrick a call and see if he's willing to come back. Perk? Yeah. Come on, man. Give him a call. I love his commentary, but come on, man. Let's get him out on the floor. You know, I, I love Perk, yeah, because, you know, he's always like, don't, you know, don't mess with my, you know, LeBron, you know, he, he, he's the mm -hmm. big dog. You know, you don't, you don't mess with him. Like, yeah, you got to love Kendrick Perkins, man. But – I mean, that would be interesting. I mean, if you got those three back together, they all – those three do share one common philosophy, and that's that they want to fucking win. Yeah, because Westbrook's a dog. He's the he opposite is. of He's the opposite of Kyrie. He's a, he'll give you 110% every night. He'll be injured. He don't care. Like, the dude, as, 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 you know, as much as he turns over the ball, he's still a great player. He still makes yeah. it for it in different you ways. You know, and if you're not on his team, he doesn't like you. And that's fine. I mean, that's how Kobe was. Mm -hmm. Kobe didn't like his opponents. Kobe wasn't, like, chit-chatting. Like, if you weren't on his team, you were his enemy for 48 minutes. And that part I do love of Westbrook's game. Um, but finishing up tonight, uh, we're going to touch on UFC 257. The return of the great Conor McGregor. Um, and, you know, this is going to be taking place in Abu Dhabi. So, you know, they, they, they're, going, they're going all out. Um, the, main, the, main, the main fight is Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. Poirier. Um, will this card live up to the hype of having Conor McGregor on it? I, th I think it will. I mean, 
the main event is is going to be amazing. Uh, Poirier is has been hot like his last seven eight fights. The dude uh, knocked out Gaethje. Um, he had a, a a war with uh, Dan Hooker, um, and and I feel like he's 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 coming into a zone where he's becoming the best fighter um, that he's destined to be. And then you got McGregor on the other side, uh, coming off the win off Cerrone, the knockout. And um, this Connor is different. He's very, he's relaxed. You know, he's focused. You know, he he seems like he he spent some time away, much needed time away from you know the whole you know making money off Mayweather and you know and and and, and the Diaz stuff. And I I feel like this fight in particular is is going to be it's going to be fireworks. Um, but if, if, if you want to look at another fight, you know, look at the, you know, look at the co-main event. I'm, I'm very excited to see Michael Chandler, um, in his UFC debut because the dude is a stud in Bellator, uh, his fights with, uh, Eddie Alvarez, um, Patricky Pitbull. I mean, there's, uh, Michael Chandler is the best in terms of what Bellator offers. And now he's entering the UFC and. I think it, this is the perfect fight with a guy like Dan Hooker, who's willing to trade and stand and and and, and go toe to toe. So, uh, I'm, I, this card is going to be amazing, and, and and I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, um, I mean, just circling back to the main event, um, it's hard to pick against Conor McGregor. Johnny hit it, hit the nail right on the head here. He just seems different. Seems focused. Um, uh, and that's scary. We already know how precise he is and how focused he can be. Um, now we're seeing a different intensity. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what's going to happen in this fight. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think this one should be easy for Connor. And I know Connor's really pushing for a fight, a rematch against uh, Khabib, trying to bring him out of retirement. And and after what, what Max Holloway put on, if that doesn't happen, you know, Holloway and McGregor, um, a, another rematch I think we'd all like to see. Um, so good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the co-main event, touching on that, uh, Hooker, Chandler, um, you know, great matchup. Uh, although I, I don't I don't think most people are going to, I don't think they're going to know what Chandler is capable of. Um, most, that I think heavy betting favorite is, is is uh, Dan Hooker, the Australian? Um, I think it's closer to fifty-fifty, but uh, yeah, I, I think that that one's going to be a very entertaining fight. And the the one thing that I'm really excited to see is if Dana White is actually going to catch anyone streaming this fight. Because listen, <laughs> he's he told us all to tune in because he's going to get some of these streamers. He said that they already got one. I really want to see what's going to happen. And for that reason alone, I'd be willing to try to stream it. Um, <laughs> Cause Dana just, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, but you know, it, it should be an interesting fight. One of the other, one of the other cards that uh, one of the other fights on this card that I am looking forward to is, uh, is Antonio Carlos Jr. And uh, Tavares. Uh, I think that one, sort of has all the makings for a trap. I think Tavares is the heavy, heavy favorite, although I think Junior might be, he, he might be able to squeak this one out. Yeah, definitely should be a good card. Um, what time is it going to take place at? Because, I mean, this is taking place in, you know, Abu Dhabi, so um, I'm We're sure. We're going to do that regular time. We're going to go, you, you can't have a Connor card and, and, and show it in the morning because, the Max Holloway fight last week was like at noon it's at some weird time. And I, I just, you know, it doesn't make sense for them to have Conor McGregor. So it's going to be like morning their time. Yeah. Time. Morning their time. Yeah. They're going to fight in the morning. I mean, that yeah. makes so, sense. I mean, and, those yeah. rich people out there, they party all day anyway. So, I mean, right. I'm sure, I'm sure they'll be there. Right. Yeah. No, the early prelims start around three thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, ESPN prelims start at five and the, pay-per-view main card starts right around 7 p.m. That'd be a really good one. Um, any final thoughts, guys? Uh, I'm hoping that Connor puts on a show and we get an announcement of Khabib versus Connor part two. 
Um, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to Conor McGregor winning and Aaron Rodgers going back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great weekend for sports and you know what? Maybe Connor give this a little drama at the end there. I don't know if Khabib's going to be ringside, but man, I would, I would like to see some, you know, jump the fence action, uh, a lot oh, yeah. of trash talking. That's, oh, come on. Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. I want McGregor to win and instantly right after WWE style, there is Khabib boom with the knockout punch. With the yeah. I mean, I mean, take the belt crown himself king or or have whatever hat that uh, that khabib walks out yeah. with uh put it on himself and crown himself the king oh i i think i i i'm hoping for fireworks um <laughs> yeah that, it should be a great sunday hey mcgregor is on uh, is on the card so you know there is bound to be something goes sideways yeah, maybe uh, maybe Gilbert comes out. You know, maybe he. That's true. Maybe you get Gilbert out there. You know, <laughs> maybe, maybe you get those super mini novas that they used to bring out—the little mini luchadors from the '90s, El Torito. You know, maybe uh, the good Hornswoggle. Old days. The good old days, man. Maybe maybe Hornswoggle gets the pin. You know. Oh, there's a name he, I haven't heard. He's from Ireland, right? He's Scottish. Yeah, so. yeah, and he was he was Vince McMahon's illegitimate child. Did you guys forget that? <laughs> I want to I forget forgot that. Or maybe this is the Montreal Screwjob Part Dope. Cool. Yeah, you can go that. And you get Vince McMahon ringing the bell. Hey, man, the possibilities are endless. We'll have to tune in just to see what happens. But I hope you guys enjoyed our show. Have a great night. And until the next one. Yeah, Peace. Super Bowl Sunday right yes. around the corner. Get ready. Enjoy it.